This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Welcome back to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. It's been a while since Lucas Peterson and I came together sans a guest. So I'm <laughs> excited to be here, Lucas, today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Kim? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, we're going to talk about burnout today. Uh, I've definitely bumped into this a number of times in my career, but I did bump into this uh, about a month or two ago. And we've also just been, I've been hearing at least from friends and colleagues uh, that there is more of an experience of burnout. People aren't really calling it burnout, at least to me, Lucas, like nobody's saying, hey, I feel burnt out. But when they start to describe what they're feeling, I am like, that is the, that's the hint, shadow, beginning of burnout. How about you? Yeah, I've, I've seen a similar thing. I, I think, you know, we were working with an organization uh, like six or eight months ago and they were worried about burnout. And then uh, I've, I've worked with a couple of people within that organization and it's, they were describing things that did sound like burnout. Um, but, but weren't identifying it as that. I think it's part of, you know, it could be a, a part of a culture, like maybe just that their uh, work, but also I think more of a Western culture to, and especially American, like to push through um, when maybe we need to step back. So I think so. I think it's so fascinating that everybody is describing the, the signs of burnout without identifying it that way. And even for myself, I know a couple of months ago, uh, I, at first, there's a couple of things we're gonna talk about today. And when I first got exposed to these descriptions, I was like, oh my God, that's, that's what I was in the experience of. But I was noticing the experience, I wasn't realizing something is causing that experience and that's you know why we're talking about this today we're talking about this because i think for traders especially there's so much pressure internally and externally because of social media because of twitter because of you know you you have to be sort of around a community of traders for you to succeed as a trader at least in the beginning i think and so that external pressure can sometimes exasperate your own internal expectations so for anybody who is perhaps open to considering this could be me we're going to give you some input today around how to recognize it some of the signs and what to do about it so yeah, let's uh, let's just jump right in. Um, we've got some some pretty good resources for this um, that we found. It's just just a couple we'll include in the liner notes. But yeah, if you want to talk about the um, you know like maybe the five stages of burnout, we'll go through there. You got it. So subtle dissatisfaction is number one, and that one I think is just such a great one because it can sound a little bit like uh, a negative Nelly, so to speak where you just are finding 
wrong everywhere. And it, and it, and it's, and, and maybe it's more subtle than that in the beginning, but there is this sense of nothing is satisfying you. Even the things that used to satisfy you now, maybe it's like a meh. You're like, eh, yeah, it's okay. But you're kind of distracted by how it's still not as good as it could be. So subtle dissatisfaction is the first one. Subconscious disregard. Now, what does that mean? They're sort of the same, but subtle is again, it's subconscious, it's un underneath, unconscious, but there's this sense of disregard perhaps for your own self-care or perhaps your sensitivity to others and their needs and what they're requesting of you or demanding yeah. of you. Yeah. I think that's that's the one uh, I, I feel like this is where like the, the slippery slope begins. Right. Um, and it's something that, uh, with, with our tool that we use the executive positioning index and the trader positioning index, like it's something that I've been able to identify in people that are like moving into burnout, uh, before things get too serious because it kind of picks up on that. Right. That's right. Yeah. The attention column. Of yeah. And that, and that's what's so awesome about this assessment and why Lucas and I like it so much is that gives us an indicator when it's starting to be so inhibited that it's putting you in the danger zone. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when you see that about yourself, then you have a better chance at course correcting uh, before it becomes even more costly. Uh, conscious numbing is number three. These are the five stages of burnout. Uh, and we stumbled into them in one of the articles and we're going to post that article in the liner notes. So conscious numbing is you are having an extra glass of wine at the end of the day. You are having another piece of cake instead of <laughs> one that you can have. Uh, you are aware that you're doing the things to not have to feel the hard to be with feelings yeah. and everybody has their own kind of numbing and you know i'm speaking to my conscious numbing right i'll have an extra glass of wine or i'll or i'll have wine at all i try to actually not drink during the week and just you know do the the drinking on the weekend or at a friend's special occasion but i was like oh i'll have a glass of wine tonight because i'm so tired i'm so tense and uh, you know before i knew it i was having a glass of wine every night in those couple of weeks because i was so frustrated um and overwhelmed uh and burning out probably mm -hmm. um so conscious numbing though i do want to speak about this conscious numbing can also be uh overworking out like really yep. anything we do can be taken to a place of numbing trading if you're trading and you're sitting at your desk and you're saying to yourself, I shouldn't be at this desk right now, you probably are numbing, numbing something that's hard to be with. So anytime you notice yourself, you know, numbing, uh, do you want to say anything about that? I think uh, I, I was going to, yeah, I was going to say the same thing you just said was, you know, one of the ways that I've, I've recognized numbing in my, my own life is like work, working out and going for like, uh, I normally work out in the morning and then at the, and then by like, you know, four o'clock, I'm basically done. And then sometimes what I've recognized is when I'm trying to numb, I'll be like, well, I'll just go for like an evening run or something like that. It's like, what, <laughs> why, why don't I just want to like be still? And so, yeah. 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 And, and look, there's going to be days when you or somebody else 
it, it's okay to have an even run. It's, it's, we're not making anything wrong, no, but yeah. what we're trying to do is just notice is, are you aware that you're trying to take the edge off? And if you are, you want to just get curious about what is the edge? What, what's here? What's here that's pushing you to an edge that perhaps you haven't fully reconciled with? Um, all right, the other one, stage four, is anxious exhaustion, which I really uh, also was experiencing this not that long ago. This means that even when you're exhausted, when you're laying in bed, you're trying to go to sleep, or you're trying to rest, you can't. You're in anxiety because you've been in anxiety for so long that your nervous system doesn't know how to hiccup out of it. It's just kind of like, a, you know, I'm talking to a very young audience here, but in my day when I was a little girl, we had records and a record would skip and, and it would continuously keep skipping until you either pressed harder on the needle because the grooves had gotten a scratch in it. And so I think for people who experience anxious exhaustion, you can just tell if you find it really hard to calm down uh, and chill, basically. It's the racing at late at night in your bed when you can't go to sleep. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. And this is like when it's starting to become like you can, I feel like this is when people like rec start to recognize, oh, I'm, yes. I feel like I'm burning out. And then, yes. yeah. And, and maybe they're not even calling that. Maybe they're saying, oh, I, I, I just think a lot of people have a tendency to, dismiss or diminish these stages when they yeah. show up and uh they probably have self-talk that's not very encouraging so yeah. even, even harder to potentially you know dig yourself up and out of the whole you're in yeah. uh and then stage five is full-blown trauma and that is when you know basically you're i've seen a lot of times to people the physical uh, illnesses will start to show up. You're more susceptible to different sorts of aches and pains. In the middle of mine, I my back went out, which has never happened to me in my entire life, but it went out on me in that time period. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very uh, spiritual, as I've talked about before here, and I certainly respect certain aspects of Western medicine, but I definitely am somebody who respects other uh, applications and perspectives. And uh, I have uh, Louise Hayes book, which is sort of a dictionary of all different physical ailments and what could be, not what is, but what could be the emotional or spiritual um, challenge that is setting it off. And so lower back, what I was experiencing at the time uh, was not feeling support, not feeling enough support or feeling uh, overburdened or overwhelmed. And for me, when that happened with my back, it, it made me realize, and, it, and I was forced, I couldn't move, I couldn't walk, I couldn't, I could only sit in this one chair that I had with the heating bed on. I had to even get muscle relaxants, which, you know, I've never even taken in my life, but I had to because the pain was so bad. And so that was full-blown trauma. That was sort of a slap across the face from the universe. Like, hi, 
you're going to listen to us now. We have to shut you down, sister. Yeah, yeah. I think, it, and that's, I mean, that's the unfortunate part, but I feel like that's usually where people start to recognize like something's wrong, right? It's like, <laughs> like there, I think, were signs, there were signs along the way. Yeah, I, yeah. Little dissatisfaction, subconscious dis- disregard, conscious numbing, <laughs> anxious exhaustion. I had all of them, mm-hmm. but until, but I didn't do anything about it. I mean, let me, let me back up a little. It's not that I didn't do anything about it because I did. I noticed it. I was no, I'm very, I am very self-aware. So I was noticing it, but I didn't feel I could afford to mm-hmm. do anything about it. I didn't feel I had time to do anything about it. I thought, uh, okay, this is too much. I'm overwhelmed, but I have to get through this. I have to suck it up and I'll deal with this in another couple of weeks and, you know, do X, Y, Z for myself. Yeah. But I did get there. <laughs> <laughs> so what are ways that people can, you know, um, deal with burnout? Uh, along the way uh, what are and what's maybe maybe some uh, some some notes you've taken from from this for yourself <laughs> exactly well you know I, I I wanted this one of the things this article spoke about is that a big part of how one of the root problems of burnout is that your work is not in alignment with your soul that is one of the things they speak to, which I also think is really important, especially for, for traders and anybody who feels uh, that they're doing what they love. You know, I, I am doing what I love as a coach and running an organization, a company. Uh, there are so many pieces to that that are not, you know, making my soul sing. <laughs> you know, there's paperwork and, uh, you know, just just countless collection of things that I have to do every day. That is not the, the, the part that's my most fun. Like doing these conversations is fun for me. Having sessions with clients, uh, working with you guys, my team, that's all fun, but the minutia underneath. And so traders that are listening to me might be like, well, Kim, I am meant to be a trader. This is what my soul is meant to do. But, even in the midst of that, there will be possibly times that there are uh, things you have to do. Perhaps it's another job that you have to have. Perhaps it's uh, responsibilities to your own finances that you have to focus on that perhaps don't thrill you as much as the, the trading itself. So it's I, I love that they spoke about this because for some people, there is going to be a misalignment between what they are doing for a living and uh, their souls asking to be more satisfied. But there are going to be times where you still have to do the, the work that isn't fun, that isn't sexy, and you need to find a way to do that and honor the rest. Remember, we had Celeste Headley here and you know, she talked about her book was called Do Nothing, which, you know, I remember being horrified when I first saw that title. I'm like, what? But she talked about how we don't really realize how we are so focused on productivity that we're disconnected from 
what our needs for rest are. So, yeah, I feel like that's the first piece is like, okay, are you in alignment with your work that's speaking to your soul, feeding your soul? And if the answer is yes, good for you. You're among a very rare few. Um, And then even in the midst of that, how can you be sure that you are getting the rest you need uh, and some downtime? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think there's a a lot in there as well that, you know, um, a a lot of the successful traders we've worked with, you know, uh, and who truly are like in the top 1% of trading. uh, And it very much is their calling, I would, and I believe that they agree with that. Um, But it's funny when, when at least my clients that I've talked to, you know, it's not why they got into trading. It wasn't because they felt it was their calling. It was because it would provide them freedom. It would provide them more time. Um, and I think it's important to always check in with that along the way, right? Is like, because that's the reason you go into something is probably because you're like, your soul is calling for that. Uh, and it's it. ca- calling for the reasons around that. And it's like, Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And I, and I think also, I want to say this because not everybody is going to be able, there, there could be traders out there uh, that are listening to this, who perhaps are saying to themselves, I'm not really sure it's my calling, but I know how to do it and I can do it and I can make a living at it. But you know, a singing opera is my calling or painting is my calling or race car driving is my calling. We don't always get to make a living from our calling and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you are in trading to just make a living or to have your freedom, uh, then consider how do you create time for yourself where your soul can get its needs met? Maybe you have to be sure that you take that extra time on the weekends to put something into what you love. So maybe it's photography, whatever it is that really does nourish you. And look, especially to beginner traders, it's going to be really hard for you to find any extra time because on the weekends, a lot of new traders are reviewing. I mean, even sophisticated traders, they spend the weekend reviewing their trades from the whole week and making sure they're congruent and making double sure that if they're changing their plan, they have a track record. Like I get that that takes time, but you do need to be nourished. You do need to pause, uh, even in the midst of that extra work as you start out to have some opportunity to just have joy, to just have peace, to just have rest. And, uh, and that, you know, if I circle back to what happened to me when I had that happen with my back, I also probably wasn't getting enough sleep because I was paddling at 4.45 a.m. So I was going to bed, uh, struggling to go to sleep quick enough to get up at, you know, 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> And that was, that was problematic. And, and it, so, so there were, it was a kaleidoscope of happenings. That's what I want every listener to think about. It's not just one thing. It's not because you're trading too much. It's probably not enough rest. Also, this crazy pandemic, you, you're, <laughs> all of us are under a lot more pressure than we've ever been under. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> 
Yeah. It's, I mean, we've, it's come to an end, what, three different times now and then started again. <laughs> That's really easy to handle. <laughs> like, talk about like, the, the, like a mass trauma for the entire world. At least we've all gone through it together. But, you know, and, and keep in mind, if you also have a relationship, you, maybe you live with somebody else, maybe you live with a bunch of somebody else's, if you have kids or a partner or an in-law or what have you, you also are in the middle of experiencing their experience. You know, you might be Mr. Cool and everything is fine for you. But if you're surrounded by people who are having things up and down, in and out, upset, kids at home having to learn on, you know, a, a device when they never had to learn that way before, uh, all of that is impacting your so-called so peace of mind and, it, and it's costing you. So I, I just think it's important now for people to realize you know, this concept of burnout, it, it sort of has a bad taste. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth because I think it sounds like you're a wimp or something. Yeah. And, and I guess I just want to say you're not a wimp. You're, you're just human who's being overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. That goes back to, I think, uh, the idea of the it built into our culture, right? Like a, we, the burnout, it's almost like, I don't, I don't want to call it a burnout culture, but um, I think part of the American dream is that like rugged individualism and like working, you know, harder than uh, work ethic. Yeah, exactly. And, but what happens is like, <laughs> we just truly cannot do that. Right. Like you, we can definitely push beyond like there's, this is all what it's all about. It's all about balance. Right. And it's like figuring out if you're not pushing hard enough or if you're pushing way too hard um, right. and recognizing where, that's right. where you need to be. And you know, I'm not, I'm not ever going to disparage David Dawkins. I think he's the most extraordinary human being for his fortitude to have survived his childhood and to have, you know, found a way out of uh, the dilemma he found himself in when he mm -hmm. decided to, you know, go full throttle. And I also feel that that intensity around just go after it. What is, what is his phrase? He has a catchphrase that he uses all the time. Uh, I'm forgetting it right now, but you guys can put it in the comments. What is yeah, yeah. So everyone else is listening, knowing exactly what it is, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, like suck it up. You know, that happy birthday message he gave Joe Rogan where he's like, come on, you pussy, get up. <laughs> like he's yelling at him. This is your birthday, but don't take the day off. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that. On one hand, I think it's, it's inspiring, but there are people out there, I will say me, who it doesn't, it's not going to work for me because I do already play really hard and work really hard. And so that, so just, just be cautious to not fall into the trap of this, you know, look, we can name a bunch of people like Jocko Willick, David Goggins. Like, these are all amazing men who have created this incredible inspiration for themselves and for people around them. But ultimately, you have to find what works for you. Yeah. And I don't want anybody just listening to those, you know, the way it works for those guys and then compare yourself and say, look at me. I, I am not, you know as 
effort filled as they are and then feel bad about yourself because we just don't know we just don't know what uh somebody else's journey is about or what's gonna you know unfold for them yeah. all we know is what's unfolding for us and that's where we have to put our eyes so the, I'll kind of come back to center because I because we wanted to talk about the, the stages of burnout. But then we also wanted to talk about what these stages look like too. So this symptoms that could be showing up is this emotional exhaustion. So that means you're going to be feeling tired even when you're not doing that much. And I was definitely experiencing that for myself. I would do very little. There would be days when I felt like I couldn't do anything because I was so tired. But it wasn't like a normal kind of tired. It was a weird, wonky kind of tired. It would yeah. be like bursts of energy late at night and mornings I couldn't get out of bed kind of feeling. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I wonder, you know, sometimes I feel like people feel like they're going through bouts of depression or anxiety. Um, and yep. I wonder sometimes if, if it's, you know, uh, stages of burnout that are being misconstrued with that. And obviously I, like there's people who are clinic, clinically, you know, diagnosed where that's probably not the case, but yeah, but, but it could be, I mean, I do, I do think it's a little bit of back and forth. I think sometimes if we're overwhelmed and we haven't paused enough and we haven't perhaps really listened to our soul or honored the taxation that we're all been going through for these past two years, I think it easily can slip into depression. Mm -hmm. um, and I think depression itself is uh, in, you know, there's so many different reasons for depression, but sometimes depression is kind of all weaved into trying to do more than the body, mind and spirit is capable of doing. Yeah. So, yeah, and definitely having trouble sleeping at night can be an indicator that you are in the neighborhood of burnt out. Um, and also the struggle of concentrating or focusing on a specific task. Um, that too is kind of a red flag. Uh, okay, and then let's talk about the other red flags, which is cynicism um, and depersonalization, where you basically again we'll be looking and seeing kind of the glass is half empty the whole time um you might be blaming people politicians the market for your pain and troubles um and one of the phrases that's used that i really liked in this article was compassion fatigue and compassion fatigue means you're just not able to emotionally be available for others yeah. um, and that's one in particular that is the most concerning, uh, I think, for everybody, because that tells me that a person doesn't, hasn't experienced their own compassion for themselves. You can't really have compassion for somebody else or empathy for somebody else if you don't have it for yourself. And yeah. uh, but compassion fatigue right now, more than ever, I think could be happening for a lot of people, regardless of whether you're in the stages of feeling burnt out, because we have so much exposure to the plights of others, never mind the numbers of COVID yeah, yeah. victims, but, you know, the Tongan uh, 
underwater volcano. The, the things that happen that are not good in the world are put in front of us, at least on Twitter, if not the news. I don't watch television. I don't have a television. But I don't need a television to have that exposure. It comes yeah. to social media. And we're just not equipped or built to have that much compassion for people thousands of times a day, which is basically what we're being asked to do. Every time our bodies see that, our eyes see that, and after that all day, then we go to our wife, girlfriend, husband, boyfriend, whatever, or mother, sister, friend, and they want to share something. And we're just like, I'm full up. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. Yeah, can't handle it. I got nothing. Uh, it's an, I feel like we could do. A, we could probably do a whole episode, if not series, on compassion fatigue across uh, the the world and uh, especially like the American culture. Um, I think we're just inundated by, like you said, like uh, traumatic events over and over throughout the day. Um, you know, that's what is ever on the news, right? And so, and I think we just get become numb to that. And that I feel like that's a problem. Definitely, definitely. And especially because people going through trauma, especially a large amount of people, we can't really connect to that. And we, and because, and this, and this is part of why, you know, any sort of race baiting or xenophobia happens it's so easy to set other otherize people mm -hmm. when they're at a distance. Yeah. So when people are on the other side of the world and they don't look like you and they don't sound like you and they and they perhaps um, have a different like home or mm -hmm. lifestyle, that puts us even further away from having compassion for them. Yeah. We think, oh, it's happening to those people. And then we probably collapse because they don't look like us, sound yeah. like us, practice the faith I do, uh, talk like I do, believe the same political party I do, blah, blah, blah. And, and actually, Adam Smith talks about this in his book, The Theory of Moral Sentiments. And he says there, there are, cons it's, it's almost like our ability to empathize is for perhaps ourselves and the immediate family or friends around us. And as those concentric circles grow out from us, the further they get, the less compassion we will have for other people. Yeah. However, we are being exposed in such a great number of ways through social media that I think on one hand, it makes the world, those concentric circles closer, but our, uh, sense of what's the word impotency that we can't really do anything about it also triggers that fatigue the compassion fatigue yeah. what can i do how, how do i help the people in tonga you know okay i can make a donation but then what then yeah. i'm not able to do anything else right yeah and then like you said uh, i think it's, it becomes really evident that you're experiencing compassion fatigue when you know your family or a close friend you know tells you they're going through something or uh, yep. you can see they're going through something and you're just like, I, hmm, that's a bummer, <laughs> you know, as opposed to <laughs> having to solve it. Yeah. And, and this is definitely, you know, 
we're we're very excited Lucas and I we're going to get to have John Gray who's uh you know he wrote the book Men Are From Mars Women Are From Venus if you don't know that book has a new version of it uh it's an updated version of that book but he talks at length about how men uh definitely are you know won't feel sort of comfortable in their own skin if they aren't solving a problem so you know, I know we have women listeners, but I do think most of our audience is men. That is really important to hear, guys, because if you are biologically wired to feel <coughs> your ability to solve a challenge that's in front of you uh, is part of being a man, part of the, the hardwiring, well, then keep conscious of how many times a day you are exposed to something you can't solve because if you can't solve it you are going to feel a drop in your testosterone and an increase in your estrogen and that is not it's not it's not a good place to be when they're out of balance again mm -hmm. so you gotta you got you, and this is why it's important i think to not have a television and not to watch <laughs> the news um and then do what you can you know one of my friends this morning just told me he took himself off all social media i was yeah. like wow you're so smart to do that i'm so jealous yeah. so think about it yeah yeah <clears throat> all right uh feeling isolated also can be uh, a warning sign uh, and feeling isolated can occur even in families uh, even in a relationship you can mm -hmm. still feel isolated uh, but if you don't and you are you know still experiencing some of this crazy pandemic in your neighborhood where you can't get to see people even more uh, indication that you know probably you're in a na the neighborhood of being overwhelmed yeah. I think it's also important to remember that it's the idea of feeling isolated, right? Not being isolated. Like you can be among friends, you can be among coworkers. And, and yeah. maybe if you, even if you explain this to other people, they would be like, how, I don't understand. You're with, we're you're with people all the time. And it's, right. that's, there's a distinct difference there too. That is for sure. It's that sense of just, you know, the, because, because relationships take effort and work, even virtually or by phone, um, you, you may not have that extra energy to return the friend's call. Maybe you put it off for the weekend because you're like, I just don't have uh, what it takes to talk to them. Um, and look, I'm, I'm definitely an advocate for being picky about your friends. You know, there are friends that are exhausting. There yeah. are friends that are what they call, you know, vampires, you know, energy yeah. vampires. So I'm not telling you that this is an advocacy of you just being with anybody that's in your circle. Uh, I'm, I've been very careful about my circles uh, early on, I think, because I saw the impact that it had and because of my temperament, you know, in one of the spiritual uh, teachers that I've had in my life told me that I'm like a human tuning fork. I'm called an adjuster. And as an adjuster, we basically start to just adjust to the energy of the person we're talking to. So that once I understood that about myself, it made me be even more uh, discriminatory in the, the people that I have around me uh, and friends and, you know, people that I give 
my time to um, because that is what I tend to do. And there are people who are empathic, uh, which is similar to being an adjuster. It's a little different, but empaths are also going to be people who really feel deeply somebody else's experience. And, uh, and, and that would be different. Like they, they would be, and, and I am empathic. That, that's part of where I have to be really careful with looking at the tragedies that happen globally, because I will become sort of crippled by that and, and physically feel pain. Like when somebody has a, a book drop on their foot, I, I feel in my own foot, the pain of that book. Like it will trigger a pain response. So all of this to say like, everybody is unique. Not everybody's built like me, I get that, but you're gonna have your own version of this. So you want to be in tune to that and manage it, manage that energy. And these red flags we're talking about, if you at least notice them, then you can potentially course correct. It's all about the balance and the course correct. Mm -hmm. All right, and then the last warning sign is a reduced sense of accomplishment, personal accomplishment, personal efficacy. Um, and that can show up at even losing enjoyment over those parts of work that you normally did enjoy before, or the sense of either your work being meaningless or your efforts being meaningless um, and feeling that like anxiety or being down in the dumps is lasting a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back um, to, to the assessment we do, um, you know, this picks up, I, I would say, uh, a lot when, when this is, when people are approaching or in burnout. Um, and what I also always see is it correlating with that self care. Right. And so, um, when I see people have a reduced sense of self, like are, are not taking care of themselves, um, basically everything else is starting to drop too. like their meaningfulness of work, um, their self-confidence, self-esteem. Uh, it's, it, they're just red flags that are, you probably are noticing, but aren't totally aware how bad they've become. Yep, for sure, for sure. And the other thing that's so fascinating about that assessment is that the work side sits on that self side. Yeah. That self side, uh, you know, the description is what kind of a wedding cake is more stable? A wedding cake that has a very small base with a very big, uh, you know, second tier? Or is the wedding cake uh, going to be more stable if you have a really big base with a smaller? And of course, that uh, self side is that really important big base. But across the board, it is very infrequent that Lucas or I ever see someone with a stronger self side than their work side. And again, because of this culture we have with this emphasis always on work, work, work. Yeah. So this is, you know, we're seeing it across the board with the companies that we do this with. And we just want, we want to speak to it because it was something I experienced, you know, and look, I'm doing this work, right? I, I'm surrounded by the concept of self-development and noticing and trying to be conscious, but it, it's a slippery slope. It's so easy to fall into it. And, mm -hmm. and for those who are not paying attention, it's going to be even easier. So, you know, I was at once, look, I was noticing it as it was going, but until the back situation happened, I was like, it was like, 
slap across the face. Hello, we're trying to get your attention. Now you are going to be forced to address us. That's what it felt like. And I was like, oh shit, I just ignored all the signs for a weeks. And I just don't want to see anybody else go through that. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, the sooner you can recognize these things, the, the more control you have over it of lessening the effects, um, just like anything else, right? Um, I'm thinking about uh, the book, The Compound Effect, you know, um, I think Brian Lee brought it up when he was on our uh, show. And it's the same idea, like if you're dealing with this one little thing every single day, it's multiplying every single day. And so then eventually, it becomes a weight that you can't carry. Um, but the inverse of that is true as well. Like if you're able to do something little tiny great thing for yourself every single day it will carry you so and it's it's you know that just i started uh you know i paddle and i love paddling there was a little bit of a hiatus uh on the paddling and i want i knew paddling was going to start up four days a week so i didn't want to have my back have an issue so i started swimming and i started swimming probably now three weeks ago and this morning uh, when I swam, I was able to do such a longer stretch than in three weeks. Like it just yeah. all of a sudden showed up. It yeah. wasn't there the other day when I went, but this morning I was like, holy mackerel. I've only come maybe six, seven times. And like my eighth visit, bam, there's a new level. And that's like 45 minutes to an hour, three times a week. Yeah. Like I, I was shocked this morning. I was like, I can't believe I, it, it was like everything just stayed like this. And then it was like, bam, yeah. next level. So that little bit really does make a difference. It yeah. does compound for sure. Yeah. So make sure it's a self care and not self-destruction. That's it. That's it for sure. And you know, the other thing too, that I just wanted to speak to is there's a part of me that feels like if you aren't feeling burnt out, it's possible you're very disconnected to what's happening for you. Because I really don't know that anybody in this globe right now going through this pandemic isn't somewhere in the neighborhood of burnout. So even if that's a word that offends you, then come up with a new one. But I just feel we've all been through profound change in two years that keeps changing we we get our hopes up we think we're going to finally be able to get rid of the stupid masks and be able to not have to worry about seeing grandma or you know I, a couple of so number of weeks ago i wanted to go someplace and i was like oh do i have a cold i might have a cold do i have covid i, I was like i wonder where i could get a test and of course i couldn't get a test anywhere and then i was like do i not go do i go like all of that like this stuff is exhausting to everybody so keep that in mind people have had financial upheaval there's been so much happening on the global level they're all watching and experiencing every day there's loss of life we're getting the numbers of millions of people again hard to personalize when it's in the millions um there's just a lot of change on small scale and large scale and i just think everybody has to be a little bit kinder to themselves to realize this has been a hell of a ride. Yeah. Whether you work with a lot of people or a small group of people or you work for yourself, uh, everybody's gonna have journeyed through it differently. 
uh, and you want to have as much empathy first for yourself as possible so that you can afford to even have empathy for anybody else. Well, but all right, should we stop there? Yeah, I think we're, we've covered a lot there. So okay. hopefully okay. people like it. If you guys have questions, you like this topic, you want to see other topics similar to this, uh, please let us know. Lucas and I read the you know comments on YouTube when they're there. They're not always there. So please, people, give us some comments. Um, we've gotten some really nice reviews on iTunes. Uh, those make us feel really happy and like we're meeting your needs. Uh, but you tell us what your needs are. We can do a better job in meeting them. Uh, yeah. So let us know and hopefully you'll subscribe to the channel. We have some really amazing guests in store in the next couple of months. So uh, excited to share them with you. So thank you for watching The Wall Street Coach and we'll see you on the next episode. Aloha. This has been The Wall Street Coach Podcast with K-Man Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.